Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. The hang ups we have today. Welcome in to episode 157 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined in person. We are uh, the, the first time this season we've been able to record this in person with Sean Smith. Sean, how the heck are you? Yeah, first time I've had this headset on since we did the KSR takeover with Sources Say back in July. But yeah, I'm feeling fantastic this morning. Uh, didn't sleep much. For some reason, you have an orange sitting on the table. I I failed. Yeah, I just wasn't thinking when I was trying to make a hearty breakfast this morning. I, I failed miserably and uh, 
it went uneaten, uh, uneaten for a reason because uh, this is a, a an, an, an anti-Tennessee podcast after Kentucky falls in Knoxville. It was a, a very frustrating performance, a lot of things to be upset about. Uh, Tennessee defeats Ken, uh, Kentucky 76-63, to Sean. It was a... Um, it was a rowdy environment. It was a lot to um, – I, I went home and I had a massive migraine. I felt absolutely horrible leaving that place because it was just obnoxiously loud. The fans were irritating. The sound system was about as shrill and obnoxious as it could possibly be. Uh, a sea of orange. I just hated it every single the, – the Wi-Fi didn't work. Everything about that experience was unenjoyable at Tom, uh, at Thompson Bowl, Bowling Arena. Um, what did you make of your experience on the road in Knoxville? I know that's a, a it's your kind of home game because it's it's a little bit closer than Rupp Arena is. Uh, did you feel nice at home at uh, Thompson Bowling? It felt the same as it always does. That place is always amped up when Kentucky comes to town, and I mean I've not been there in the last four or five years for another game, but I remember. Growing up as a fan and going, you had to get the three-game packs. You had to pick, like, two other SEC games, and there would be nobody there. And then there'd be a huge crowd for Kentucky. Well, they've had good crowds. They beat Arizona there. It's a really good crowd. Like, it was – that's, to me, that was the toughest environment Kentucky had been in. I know that they'd gone to Kansas, but they took Kansas out of that game early. They did not do that last night. And Tennessee fans – they were amped up from start to finish, and it felt like every time that there was a momentum swing, it always went in favor of Tennessee, and I think the crowd played a huge part in it. Yeah, that was what that's what Rick Barnes said after the game. He said, look, I think that for my money, this arena is the best in, in the SEC, and I know that everybody – he used the term orange blood, which really – it kind of threw me off. I don't. I don't. Uh, haven't heard that Instead one before. Of blue bloods. Yeah, he said. Well, everybody focuses on the blue bloods and and how impressive those venues are. But for my money, I think the orange bloods are just as impressive. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to stick, buddy. But uh, he does have a point because it was. It, there's a reason that I was irritated, and if I was irritated, you know that it was bothersome to the players. It was bothersome to Coach Cal. It was loud. It was shrill. It was obnoxious. They were chanting rocky top and and i mean it was it was uh, it was loud it was it was a very nice crowd it's exactly what they wanted they as you said against kansas uh, the way that we were able to take them out of that the, the crowd out of that game early uh the tennessee players and and you know there were some some big momentum shifts they had the early technicals uh there were a couple very strong momentum shifts that kind of built that momentum and kind of ramped things up for that Tennessee fan base. And, I, I mean, Sean, it was a full 40 minutes of of nonstop cheering, uh, ruckus, band playing. Uh, their, the sound system was playing loud music, shrill music from start to finish. It was They wanted it to be as uncomfortable as, of an environment as possible for uh, the visiting team, and it worked. It, it, you could t- clearly tell that Kentucky was out of sorts from start to finish. Yeah, and I wasn't at Auburn, and I didn't make the trip to LSU. I know Auburn was a wild environment, but that's 9,000 people. There's yeah. 20,000 plus in Thompson Bowling, and when it's at its best, it's a very, very good place and a very hostile environment. The technical early, Kentucky has a good start things start to turn, Cal gets a tee, it amped the place up even more. Mm-hmm. And then right as you're starting to settle in again, you have the dust up there at the end of the bench, which amped the place up even more. And every time that it got amped, Kentucky could not match that. 
and being a man down, I mean, let's call it. They were a man down. We'll get into Ty Ty Washington, but, like, they were still playing not at full strength. That was the first time I think I've seen Kentucky look rattled in a long time. Yeah, th- this is the calm, cold, and collected team. This is the seasoned vets. This is the guy. I mean, this is the team that they went to Kansas, looked at that crowd in Lawrence, and basically laughed in their face. They said, "Look at look at all these dudes thinking that they're gonna like." They went to Lawrence expecting a win. I didn't. I, you were there during with me during pregame warmups and uh, during shoot around. It, it had just a, 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 a an odd vibe to it. It just felt like. They kind of knew how big the moment was, and you know the the high profile matchup, top twenty matchup on ESPN, nine o'clock, kind of a, a prime time tip off game. I, I kind of didn't. They didn't look loose. It, you know, the, you watch the pregame stuff at, at Kansas and some of these other envir- environments. It, it was pretty clear that they were ready for those moments. Um, and and they capitalized, you know, out the the CBS Classic, the, you know how prepared they were against North Carolina, things like that. It very very clearly uh, something was was off in in this game, and I noticed that from the start. And I I, I think that it it clearly bled into the opening tip, and I think from there it was just uh, all hands on deck. I, I I agree with you. I and I want to get your take on it as well. That. Early technical, I think it was – you could tell that Cal went out of his way to get that called on him. And I thought there were a couple other times in the game that he was trying to get himself thrown out. I don't think that was a smart move on Cal's part. I would have waited personally for a bigger moment. I know he wanted to kind of establish himself early and, and let the refs know that he didn't appreciate where, where things were going and he knew things where things were going. I just don't think it was the right call in that moment. I would have waited till later to make a statement. Yeah, I think I, I think I said that there in the first half that I, I wasn't a fan of it. I, I I got it. I mean, it was yeah. it was a call that went against you that you didn't agree with. I mean, the foul on Oscar was not a good call. Right. Early in the game, but I just feel like in that moment, you, he'd already said what he needed to say. The official was walking away, and then Cal, I could I kind of see. I, I'm not going to repeat what he said, but I yeah I saw it his mouth move, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then that's instantly he gets one. And he would have gotten tossed if O and Wheeler hadn't gone over there. He was on his way to half court, kind of like he did at Arkansas a couple of years ago, which kind of tells you that the place was so amped up that, I mean, goodness. I mean, Kentucky just looked rattled right after that. And then you go on – or not really after that. They, they ended up taking the lead after Toppin's basket. But then the dust up at the end of the bench, Tennessee goes 17-1. And that's where the game really got its separation. Kentucky tries to make a run again the second half, and then some things go wrong, a couple turnovers, fast break baskets. Look, Tennessee had an answer for everything Kentucky did. Tennessee defended like one of the elite teams in college basketball last night and their Ken Palm efficiency there. Here's the thing that I'll say, and we'll get into some positives, we'll get into some negatives. Kentucky's number three in the net this morning and number three in Ken Palm. Last night at 9 o'clock when the game tipped, they were number three in the net and number three in Kempom. Does it kill you? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Will it move you on the seed line this morning? Probably. But it's not detrimental. I mean, yeah. it's still you're, – you're in a dead heat there for number two in the SEC. But we'll see what happens. We'll talk about it, though. Yeah, and we said on our pregame show that this was a monstrous game for 
uh, for seeding reasons that that could have been kind of the uh, cushion that UK needed to uh, firmly put itself in that one seed line, uh, maybe even contend for that co-champion role in the regular season alongside Auburn. That that this was a very important game for those things, but we also wanted to stress that this was not a make or break t- make or break game. You said several times that you can afford to lose one or maybe even two and still contend for that one seed. The, the rest of the college basketball landscape is not overwhelmingly great. You can, you can afford this loss, and in particular this one, because of the circumstances, because of the environment, because of the revenge factor. There were a lot of things that played into this that – I'm. You asked me driving home. Are you more concerned? Uh, are Are you more concerned now, or do you or do you think this was just a, a, a speed bump? And I said, I I I think though you worded it. Are, is this a toss away game, or is this something that that presents legitimate concern for you? Um, and I want to get your take on that as well. But I per, I told you I don't. I see this as just a, a speed bump. I don't see this as any long term. Issue. I don't have any long-term concerns about this team. I still think that this team is very capable of winning a title. They have all the pieces. Uh, just because they have one cold shooting night and they, you know, in this type of environment with the revenge factor, they came in with a chip on their shoulder, ready to uh, make a statement. Uh, and you know, a, a letdown game like this was was bound to happen uh, in this environment. We probably shouldn't have been as. Uh, optimistic going into the game, I thought that they were they would be ready for this moment because they hadn't shown anything else uh, to the contrary leading up to that. But uh, you know, you, you you can't fault watching what we have seen the last several weeks and how much they've improved. Uh, it's it's hard to fault that you know knowing how well they've they've played and. and assuming they'll be able to continue that. Just got to give a, a tip of the cap to Tennessee and how they did things. They defended unbelievably well, especially in transition. That was something that uh, they really blocked off a lot of the um, you know easy catch-and-shoot opportunities yeah. for guys like Kellen Grady, Davion Mintz, and uh, really kept Savory Wheeler out of whack. And Ty Ty Washington, that's going to be the next topic we got to get to because that was, uh, I think, the biggest key of the game. But, again, you just got to give credit where it's due. I think Tennessee played very, very well. Yeah, and, you know, you were talking about Thompson Bowling Arena, and that's a building that I've been in, I say, at least 15 times for Kentucky-Tennessee matchups the last five years to cover that game. And the morning after here, I woke up and I'm like, no, this doesn't change anything. In the moment last night, it didn't change anything about how I felt about this Kentucky team. The reason that I was talking about it for seeding purposes, if you could have got that win and you're battling for an Arizona for the final number one, you would have advantage. You would have beaten Tennessee and Knoxville when Arizona didn't. Well, Tennessee's not lost at home this year. They have games versus Arkansas and Auburn remaining. I mean, they could lose one of those, maybe both. It's a tough place to play. Tennessee – is playing its way into contention to, to talk about a two or a three seed on this winning streak that they're on in SEC play. If they close strong, you're talking about a, a team that I think could be a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament that Kentucky lost to on the road last night, but it, it doesn't change anything for me. The P.J. Washington team came down here a couple of years ago and looked absolutely horrible. I thought they looked worse than what Kentucky did last night, yeah. honestly. And then you saw the rematch. In Nashville, the SEC tournament, Tennessee got them in a close one. I think we're going to see this game again in about three weeks in Tampa. Regardless of how it plays out, I think one of them is going to be the two, one of them is going to be the three, and it's going to be that semifinal Saturday game to get to the SEC final. That's where I want to go back and look and be like, okay, was this was this an outlier? We're both outliers, and this is just two really quality basketball teams. I think that they are. 
Kentucky played out of its mind at Rupp Arena a month ago. Tennessee played excellent last night. I think there's a middle ground here to where this is actually a really tight ball game when they play in Tampa. Yeah, I completely agree. Again, I just got to give credit where it's due. I think Tennessee did a lot of things very well. Uh, may it well coached. I mean, I think Rick Barnes had a, an excellent. excellent game plan. I think they really tried to take uh, a lot of what Kentucky does well out early. Um, and, and I think that's what Rick Barnes said in his post game press conference. He said, you know, they they kind of gave us. The script, uh, you know, as impressive as that first game was, they also gave us the script of this is how Kentucky plays at its absolute best. When they are firing on, on all cylinders, that is the, yeah. the best Kentucky we will see. We got the game plan. We got the blueprint of, of hey, everything we did wrong, all of our turn, you know, 32 points off turnovers in that first matchup for Kentucky, and uh, all, all, you know, all these little things that built up to that blowout, uh, blowout loss, they had the blueprint of, okay, we just can't do all of these things that led to that first loss. We just need to do the opposite of that and, and come out at home and, and, and show that. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee played well. I mean, they, they played very well. But the, the thing that, that I come back to is Kentucky did try to fight there in the second half. They get it to eight, and then things start to go, go against them. I mean, Tennessee would hit a three – or something. You got to give credit to Tennessee. Like most of those threes last night, I don't think they hit the rim. It was they nothing didn't. but net. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just it's a great win for Tennessee. It, it's not a bad loss for Kentucky. It's another quad one loss. I mean, sure you would have loved to have had that one to kind of secure that two seed in Tampa, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But one thing that I said yesterday on the pregame show was what the one concern I had. I was confident that Kentucky would go in there and win last night. But I'll also, when we get into the Ty Ty Washington stuff, I'll explain why I thought I was confident, and then uh, we'll, we'll kind of you know go through that information. But the thing that I said yesterday was I was concerned about droughts, and that was four to five minute droughts that I was concerned about. They were longer this time. You combine the drought in the first half, the drought in the second half. Kentucky made one field goal in 18 minutes, and I said the only way you could survive that was if Tennessee wasn't hot and if you were getting to the free throw line. Kentucky didn't get to the free throw line a high number of times. Tennessee was hot. It was a recipe for disaster. And how in the world did Kentucky even have it down to an eight-point game, only lose by 13 when they go almost 18 minutes with one made field goal? And it just – that was Tennessee's defense last night. They Nothing was easy for Kentucky at all the entire night. Yeah, uh, that was – I mean – I, I tweeted something to the effect of for Kentucky to only be down by 13 uh, in the closing minutes uh, that going into that final TV time, time out of the first half, I said it was a major win for Kentucky because they hadn't scored in, in 10 minutes, which again, as I said during that LSU game, and I know that, that Kentucky was down its two leading guards, I don't care. This is Kentucky. This is the the – blue blood of basketball this is the gold standard of basketball you cannot go 10 minutes without scoring a basket a single basket at this level you just can't there's too many too many playmakers you have too many uh, options uh, different ways to score uh, there's just no way you can't tell me that a guy like Oscar can't score one and I know he was in early foul trouble but you gotta uh, you know and I know that's kind of Cal's thing you can't go against the uh, the grain if you have two fouls that he has that that strict uh two foul and out policy in the first half and I get that but if 
if you are on a 10-minute scoring drought and you're Cali, you got to figure something out to put uh, put points on the board. And, and I just I find that inexcusable. And, and I think scoring one basket in between 18 minutes of basketball is absolutely in, inexcusable. You cannot have that. And the fact that the final score is what it is, a 13-point loss, they had it, you know, down to single digits there early in the second half could have gone any way. Uh, the fact that it was as close as it was kind of shows just how good this Kentucky team is and just how, I mean, it, it give credit where it's due for Tennessee. This is two very good teams. I think I'm more convinced that this game was more telling about how good Tennessee is more so than any like long-term, maybe Kentucky isn't the team we thought they were type of narratives that could be said after this. I, I, I think this is a give credit to Tennessee game, not a take credit away from Kentucky game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think it says more about Tennessee than it does Kentucky. I still want to see Tennessee away from Thompson Bowling Arena against some yeah. good teams. Uh, I want to see how that they, they do in those environments. I know they lost at Texas recently in a, in a game where they looked awful offensively. That's just an environment. Look, Tennessee is one of the – when it comes to talent right now on its roster, I mean, you're talking Kennedy Chandler and these other pieces that they have, their backcourt really solid last night. I think that's a backcourt that could carry them to the second mm-hmm. weekend of the NCAA yeah. tournament, and then it's all turn, determined on matchups then at that point. But when you're talking environment, arena, fans, talent, coach – it's one of the few that can do what they did last night. Like, that environment was different than LSU. When I went to South Carolina last week, they were fired up. Their students were there, but the yeah. environment was not tough. Last night was tough. Like, that was an environment. When you walked into it and you saw that place, you knew, okay, you're in for a dogfight tonight. And if any, and if there's momentum swings, I mean, this that place, the energy, the noise – all of it, and for some reason, man, like that building alone, it eats at John Calipari more yeah. than it does anywhere else. I, he gets animated and amped up in a lot of places, but not to the level that he does in Thompson Bowling Arena. Like I have seen it a number of times in that building where he is on edge from the start. I mean, we've seen assistant coaches get teed up there. You see the dust up at the end of the bench last night. I don't know what it is about that environment, but it like brings out the tension across the board, and it's, it's a tough place to play, and Kentucky just did not respond to it. I mean, I was uncomfortable sitting from my seat, and I don't – I'm meaningless in the grand scheme of things. I, my presence there meant nothing. Imagine the guys that are actually on the floor and coaching and, and trying to – you know, communicate. You talked to one of the players that uh, came out for Tennessee last night. He said they were like, you know, uh, played really well defensively, but still some offensive struggles for you. What do you think plays in that? He said, dude, I couldn't hear a single word. I, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what sets we were getting into. I don't know what Coach Barnes was saying from, I, I couldn't hear anything. Even the Tennessee players were bothered, quote unquote, by uh, the environment. And I know it played to their favor, but. It was uncomfortable it was. as all get out. It was the loudest I'd ever heard that place. Yeah. And I feel like I can speak for that. I mean, the first game I ever attended as a kid was at Thompson Bowling Arena in 1997. I mean, I was so young, but I can remember that environment. I can remember the environments in the past years. Last night was different, and I don't know if it's just where Kentucky coming in on its hot streak, Kentucky coming in top four in the country, Tennessee on a winning streak themselves in SEC play it felt like the the perfect storm for Tennessee to do what it did. And then I just think that the way Tennessee lost at Rupp Arena fueled what happened last night. Yeah, They've had this game circled, and it was more of a pride thing and a prove-it themselves. 
how does Tennessee respond after that? The next matchup in, in Tampa, do you have that chip on your shoulder? Kentucky will have the chip yeah. now if we see that. And I, I do think that we will see this matchup. The league is very good. Anyone can beat anyone, but here's the thing that's going to stand out. When you look in Tampa here in a few weeks, I think the cream of the crop, it, it, the best of the best, it's going to rise to the top there. Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a phenomenal league, one that is, uh, you know, now I don't know how many are in the top 25, but at, at least four, I mean five, uh, I mean then – it's it's a phenomenal conference, and, it, and it's going to be a collection of all of these phenomenal players, phenomenal teams, phenomenal coaches. So, I, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a very hot – not necessarily hostile, but it's going to be all, all the the uh, melting pot of all the different fan bases are going to come together and, and support very good teams. And, and before we get into the Ty Ty Washington uh, stuff, let's, let's just say this. Saturday is now the most important game of your season. Yeah. You got Alabama coming to Rupp Arena. They just now back into the top twenty-five. I think they're twenty-fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. You can't feel sorry for yourself. You can't get into that. And even if Ty Ty's out, we have no idea right now. You've got to regroup and you've got to get a win. They need they need the fans. They need a wild environment, wilder than it was against Florida. They need a huge environment because this next one, getting over this one, is the most important thing. Because look, this team, they're still sitting there between that one and two line. They could be on either one of those. They're not falling to a three. You lose Saturday, you start talking about that. It's the most important game of the season is the one following this loss. doesn't change anything. You go win Saturday, you can kind of figure it out and see if you're going to be the two. It doesn't matter if you fall to the three in SEC. So what? You're right there. Your resume's good. Win some games the next couple of weeks. Get to Tampa. You're getting ready for March now. Just, just keep playing. Yeah, well, let's uh, shift gears to the kind of topic of the hour, topic of the game, and that is uh, Ty Ty Washington's availability and, uh, I, I guess, lack of availability. He uh, there was a, So, leading up to the game, I believe it was uh, probably 48 hours before, 36 hours before, um, I had heard nothing but probably doubtful, pro- very unlikely to play. Um, both him and Toppin, I, 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 the latest I heard within the last, you know, two days leading up to the game was that both players were unlikely, not out, but very unlikely to play. Um, so I kind of went into this thinking, okay, these last two days of practice, this last day of practice, shoot around leading up to it, uh, I think it'd be, it, it's going to be a valuable opportunity for. Um, them to kind of game plan around those two being out. What? How are they going to adjust? Who's going to step up in their place? It's going to be an opportunity for Davion Mintz to step up. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? At, at, you know, we talked on the pregame show uh, about is Lance Ware going to step up in that, uh, you know, backup four role alongside Oscar Shibway? They spent some time together in the front court last game. How are they going to adjust with that? So I thought it would be a pretty valuable opportunity for that. Um, then there's some whispers you know, the day of uh, leading up to it, that Jacob Toppin was going to be good. Uh, and then there were some, a few hours after that, there was even more whispers that, that Ty Ty Washington may uh, give it a go. I reached out to Ty Ty's um, camp and they were like, well, um, not 100% sure yet. Um, and, and I think the, the consensus going into it was that he was at least going to give it a, a shot. So we get there, we get to Thompson bowling arena. We, um, anxiously wait uh, await uh pregame 
shoot around. Uh, we see the player, you know, early players start to trickle out. You had the, you know, Kellen Grady and Savory Wheeler were the first two players out. Then a couple more, a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. And then the last two players, everybody was waiting on Jacob Toppin and, and Ty Ty Washington. So, I mean, in terms of a game time decision, I mean, it was they were one of the last players to make it onto the floor. They were getting extra tape. They were doing whatever it took to, uh, to, to be available. So they both come out finally, get just on, uh, just get swarmed with booze as they left. You know, came out of the tunnel. They both kind of had a confidence to them. Looked pretty good. Um, Jacob Toppin goes on the other end of the floor. Looks great. I mean, he's working it. He's you know pivoting, doing all this stuff on, on his ankle. Didn't look like he had any setbacks whatsoever. Uh, thought it was pretty clear he was going through all the main uh, shooting around drills that that anybody would go through during pregame. So the general consensus was he's good, check check the box. Ty Ty goes out there. He doesn't take a shot for five minutes. He's sitting there just kind of watching, uh, talking to you know staff, trainers, yeah. all that. Brad, Brad finally got him. Brad finally takes him, and Sean, he works out with Shaden Sharp doing a lot of stationary work, a lot of uh, kind of balancing on both, you know, balancing weight on both legs, a lot of pivot work, um, clearly testing it. He, he, was, yeah. he was testing his ankle – just watching him closely, Sean, you and I both thought something's not right there. He's clearly not 100% and not a guy that's, you know, jacking up shots and, and you know, bouncing around, having a good the time. The smile was missing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We see that every single time he steps yeah. on, the, on the floor anytime. And, and there was almost a sense of caution yeah. with, with how he was presenting himself on the floor. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that, that I take away from it is he was obviously in some pain. Yeah. Like, whatever's going on, he wasn't 100%. But I think that the bigger aspect of this is it kind of took a mental hit last night, too. Like, he just didn't look confident is what I guess what I'm, the word I'm looking for. The way he was moving, I think that whatever is going on right there, it affected him both physically and mentally last night. And I think that's my biggest fear. You need to let him get right, like, in both categories here. Like, let him – let him go through if it's a game or two. Let him miss and let him get his mind right again. Because look, that I think look that play scared him mm-hmm. Saturday. The look on his face after that play against Florida, regardless of what the injury is, it, it scared him. Like he, the way he rushed off the floor, I think he's frustrated because he had the turned ankle at Auburn. He was playing very well. He's coming back. He's playing well again. And then boom. And I just think it's one of those things where this, this kid cares. This kid wants to help his team. And I I give him a ton of credit for trying to go. Yeah. But it's one of those things where he didn't look right the first four minutes of the game. Yeah. There were a couple of plays that he turned the ball over because he wasn't explosive enough to do anything with it. He had to, he was slow to some closeouts. I thought that putting him back out there to start the second half was a, was not the best decision. Yeah. And then he goes down early. And then on the bench, the, the only good thing is he stayed on the bench. He was up during timeouts. They weren't treating him for, for anything with the injury. I just think that he – look, he tried to help his team. He wasn't able to help his team, and I think that's a frustrating thing for him. And I think that's why you saw what you saw on the bench last night. He was frustrated. I don't know how much pain he was in, but I just think that it's frustration knowing that he can't go the way he needs to go to help this team, and he tried. And it's almost one of those things where now it kind of affects you mentally, and I want him to get himself right, both physically with the leg – and in his mind, too, before he comes back on the floor, whether that be Saturday, next week, or the, the couple of weeks after. I don't know. Yeah, and I thought it was very telling that 
John Calipari said after the game that he should have trusted his gut, that he um, he was kind of hesitant to start with, ask Ty Ty, you know, how are you doing? What do you think? And Ty Ty, of course, what's he going to say? Uh, no, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm going to chill. I think I'm not I'm not going to play. Of course he's going to try. Uh, so I I think that's when I, I, you as a coach, and I want, you know, you being a coach, I, I want to get your, your take on this. You got to take the ball out of the player's hands in that situation because, of course, he's going to try to put do whatever it takes to put his body on the line, to put his team first, and and, and fight out there to to play. And and I don't blame him at all for trying because he's a competitor. That's just who he is. That's how how he's always operated. Is you know I, I may not be a hundred percent, but if I can give you eighty percent, I'm going to give you eighty percent. And Coach Cal, I think. I don't blame him either because you want to be at full strength, and if your guy says he's good to go, I mean, it's it's a, a tough situation on his end as well. But I think in that tough call, I think it probably would have been best for him well, to to say you're not good. We care more about yeah. you in Mart and in Tampa, and when we try to make an NCAA tournament and, run. And I get it. Like, uh, Cal can say that he doesn't pay attention to the seeds and all that stuff, but he knows how big that game was last night, and if they could have won it, how big it would have been for the resume. But also this, like I said earlier, that environment brings out and puts John Calipari on edge, and I think it's one of those things, a place where he wants to go win. Yeah, he's good friends with Rick Barnes, but I don't think he really cares that much for Tennessee. Yeah. Like, if you really – if you got him off the record and really talked to him in a conversation, I think he'd say, yeah, that's probably the one that I want to win – in Knoxville, I know they'd won the last two over there, uh, but yeah, I would have, I would have looked at him the first four minutes yeah. and been like, okay, maybe, maybe you're not at your best right now. Maybe we shouldn't push this. There, there were the turnovers. I think he had three, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. There were a couple where he tried to shift directions and lost the ball, and there was just no explosive. Like the one late, the one in the second half was was when I knew he was done. Clear, yeah. But there was a picture. Keely has a photo after the dust up down at the end of the bench with with Rob and Ziegler and, and all those. Cal and Barnes are walking together, and in the background, there's one player that's not in the frame of the huddle that's going off the end of the bench, and it's Ty Ty. I'll put the picture up there on Twitter, sitting on the bench. He is in he's in pain. Like he's been over grabbing his ankle in pain. There's pain on his face. And that was in the first half. And then he played the rest of that, you know, that half and then got to the second half when he eventually did come out. So he wasn't right. And this is what I was saying. Like when I confidently picked Kentucky to win yesterday, I actually was going in thinking Ty Ty was not playing. Yeah. And I don't and I don't want to say that Ty Ty playing threw him off the rhythm, but when you have a guy out there that's not at a hundred percent I think, and then everybody he goes down again, and you look, and you're, it's another one of those in moment games where Kentucky's on the road, somebody goes out, and then that's the situations where they've looked rattled this season. I almost think it would have been better off just going in. You've practiced, you know, he did not practice yesterday. There's no way he practiced on Monday, and then the shoot around. I have no idea what happened. I almost think Kentucky would have been better off going in with the mindset, okay, okay he's not available. It, it, him not being available is better than him probably being. Maybe 60% last night. I don't even know if he was that. He had an open three. Uh, but I just feel like the game plan when, you know, he goes in, he's not 100%. I think it kind of it kind of messed with things a little bit. You have a guy out there that's not able to go, and clearly he wasn't. Yeah, it, I think that led to a lot of momentum the other way because some of his turnovers happened at crucial points of the game. A lot of, uh, you know, a deflating turnovers on, on his end that lead to break, yeah. you know, breakaway dunks. And, 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 and it's not his fault. No, yeah. of course not. And, and 
I, I know Ty Ty Washington's dad went on Twitter and, and was like, you know, it's a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't situation. Nobody is blaming Ty Ty for last night at all. Like, I, I don't blame him at all for, for giving it his best shot. And I appreciate his fight and I appreciate his effort out there. And, and uh, I, I, I have always thought that the kid's tough. And I know, um, there's kind of this narrative that, well, he's getting hurt a lot. Is it, uh, uh, how is he milking it? Is there, you know, th- there's some whisper of stuff like that. And I don't, I don't buy any of that. I think the dude's a fighter. I think he's always been a fighter. If you watch the highlights of the, of the, the stuff he's gone through, the, it's been pretty clear rolled ankles, pretty clear injuries that he's, he's dealt with. So I've never bought some of the, those whispers that are coming out that, Oh, he's, he's kind of soft and he needs to play through some. No, I think he, was at 75% at best, probably 70, maybe as you said, even 60% did not look right. That's his was, body, though. Was not confident. Yeah. Where was not, he? Where was it mentally? Yeah. Because I know that 75% with his body might push it to 50% when you put the mind aspect in it because he's thinking about it every time he makes a move. And you, you could watch him. He clearly thought about it every time he made a decision. Yeah. That there he were thought about time. it in warm ups. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he was trying to. There were two or three times that he put his head down and tried to attack the basket like he has done, and he's had to kind of uh, you know do his own step back and kind of hesitate back because he's like, oh, my body's not letting me do that. My mind well, may be telling me I, I could, but I, I can't do that, but my body is limiting me from doing that. And when, once you have to think about your injury, you're toast. Well, like you, it, you can't contribute to your team if you're thinking about your injury. It's one of those things that I, that I teach – I teach this with, with my kids that I coach. And I, obviously I coach a much younger age and we, we, I hammer home the fundamentals, but I'm all the time talking about if, if, there's, if you're having to play with something else on your mind, you're going to lose the ball. Yeah, It's like when, when ball handling drills with young kids, you toss a tennis ball to them. Yeah, they'll have – it's the right hand's fine. If you're right hand dominant you're dribbling the ball with your right hand, you're going to catch that tennis ball fine. You put that thing in your left hand, you toss them a tennis ball, the ball stops moving because their mind is having to think about uh-huh. catching this one. When you have an injury, you have something on your mind. And I just think that some of those turnovers there that he would get try to make a move, a move that he would normally make, maybe get into that floater, and it he's loose with the basketball. It's one of those things where you're, you're not 100%. You're not able to do what your body is usually able to do, what your mind wants it to do. And uh, But I, I give him a ton of credit for trying to help. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, man, I, I wish he hadn't have played. Because, I mean, I, I love that he suited up and he went out there and he tried. Yeah. I just, uh, I just wish that maybe it wouldn't have. I, I just hope he hasn't reaggravated something or maybe put himself out a little bit longer. I mean, at least him going is a good sign. Now I hope that, honestly, I hope that they let him sit Saturday. Yeah, you're, you're turning to Rupp Arena. Go win the game without him. Find a way to win it without him, and then got, kind of just let him regroup and get himself right because you need Ty Ty three weeks from now. If you miss him for a game or two here, just just let it go. Like, don't get caught up in having to beat Alabama. Have to beat LSU. Get yourself right. Be your best version when you get in that NCAA tournament. And their best version is with Ty Ty 100%. Yeah. I don't I, – I think that was a Coach Cal call. And I appreciate how he said after the fact, if I had a, a chance to do it over, I probably would have sat him. I, I, I should have went with my gut. So I, I think it, it's one of those – it's a very tough call. I don't blame Cal at all for making it. I don't blame Ty Ty for making it. And I also, if, if it went – 
the opposite direction on both accounts. If if Ty Ty had said, "Nah, I'm good. I I can't do it, Coach," I wouldn't have blamed him yeah. him there. And if Coach Cal had said, uh, "Ty Ty, I know you're saying that you're okay right now, but I can't in my best judgment put you out there knowing that you haven't practiced." Uh, you know, your your mind's not in it. You're not confident and, in your body right now. Those things. And, and I like that. And I like that Cal came out and said he should have trusted Absolutely. his gut because that takes the pressure off Ty Ty right now. Like that kind yeah. of is like, okay, let, let's not hammer the kid because I mean, Ty Ty gave everything he had. He tried. He tried to go. He tried to play in that game, and uh, he just he just wasn't able to go. But this, like I said, this changes nothing about Kentucky in my mind. Honestly, I still think, and I'm not ready to uh, hold the phone on a national championship and title contender. Why would you? No. Does anyone out there feel any different about Kansas right now after an 18 point loss to Kentucky a few weeks ago? No, they're probably on the verge of moving up to the one line again. Like they're yeah. Kansas is right there. There were right? na- there were national analysts. Two games later, after they you know put a butt whooping on on Baylor, that said uh, some national analysts that were putting Kansas back ahead of Kentucky, and Kentucky fans rightfully blew them up and said, uh, "Did you not watch that game?" And some of them said, uh, "This is not a one game season." Things like that. So well, it, you you got to use that same logic if if you're gonna. Do that with that well, with Kansas. At, you got to do the same thing well, with Kentucky. Look at the football side of this. Alabama absolutely embarrassed Georgia in the SEC championship game. And who had the last laugh? Yeah, I mean Georgia won the national championship a month later. Like this, this is sports, man. It, stuff happens, things play into it. Momentum, home court advantage, home court advantage in Tampa is going to be Kentucky fans. We know that in the mm-hmm. SEC tournament, you play on neutral floor in the NCAA tournament, and you you get tennessee in a neutral environment and we've already seen what kentucky can do when they're playing well we've seen what tennessee can do when they're playing well i think it's a very good basketball game if the two meet in tampa i think it comes down to the wire i think kentucky has to make plays to win the game this changes absolutely nothing about how i feel and i I just hope that fans kind of back off the ledge here this is still a good basketball team but here i'll say this and i've said it all season long the only way that they make a deep run is if they have all their pieces that's if true. they lose one piece, they could lose the first weekend because we it just doesn't make life easy on them. They need every single piece from Savir Wheeler to Oscar Shebway to Kellen Grady all the way through. They they need all those guys. But I also say the one positive I take away from last night, Jacob Toppin looked really, really good again. He did. And, I mean, we're not getting into this four-man four, four man debate, but he looked really, really good. He's a guy that's building confidence offensively. And the moves that he's making, the plays that he's making, really like what he's doing. I think it's good to see him not play in a week and come back and be able to pick up right where he left off before he got hurt at South Carolina. They just need to stay healthy. Get healthy and stay healthy. And this team will make a run. That's the downside of having a seven-man rotation, a six-man rotation. When you cut your bench down to what it is and and you say, these are my seven guys with eight being Lance Ware, you're uh, assuming – Okay, if there is an injury, if something goes goes south, you're risking the you know possibility that Dante hasn't played you know more than ten minutes, and and yeah, you know and this you know Bryce Hopkins, Damian Collins, those guys, they're not ready for that moment because Coach Cal made the right decision, I think, to cut down his bench and and keep his rotation yep. down where it is. But that's that's the downside, yep. right? If if you deal with injury issues that's that's what can come with it so i i understand it it's frustrating but yeah i I've, i'm right there with you i think that the, when they're healthy this team can beat anybody in the country and they can absolutely string together six wins uh at back to back to back to back to back to back 
in March, but they can also – if Ty Ty goes down, if Kellen goes down, if Oscar goes down, anybody – if they have any significant injury, I, I think that it, it could hurt them. And was Oscar great last night? He wasn't. No. But another double-double. 13 Extends that streak. He's now the longest streak uh, when it comes to U.K. with double-digit rebounds. That's now 13 games. Uh, for him, that's that breaks Dan Issel's streak in 1969-1970. I think it goes back to 67-68 where they kept game-by-game statistics. But they were minus one when he was on the floor. So it was uh, an even game when he played in the minutes that he played. Uh, he's very important. And th- that early foul on him and then the second foul, just the second foul was a missed layup at the rim, and then he gets a foul. That was like double brutal right there yeah. because you, you, you're trying to make a run – and now you lose him for the rest of the half. Lance goes in. Lance tries to do his thing, but he's not Oscar. And nobody's mm-hmm. asking him to be. But it's, it takes a lot out of you when you're in the road in that environment. You're already down tie-tie. Oscar's not able to go. It was the perfect storm, and Tennessee took advantage of it. Tennessee's a good basketball team. Uh, they're starting to move up. Now they're in the top 30 in offensive efficiency. They're elite defensively. One of the better teams in college basketball than in the right matchup, I think they could make a run in the NCAA tournament. But that offensive issues, they'll pop up on them at some point. They did it Texas a few weeks ago. Last night we saw Kentucky's offensive issues. A lot of that was credit to Tennessee's defense. Uh, but it also is uh, credited to Kentucky not having one of its uh, most creative guys on its roster when it comes to the ball in his hands and off the ball. Tata Washington, it, it, he changes things for UK. Xavier Wheeler changes things for UK. Kellen Grady, Oscar Sheboy, which brings back bring, brings my point home here. They need everybody. They need their best guys to be able to go and be 100%. If they are, I'm confident this is a Final Four basketball team. If one guy goes down, they need a lot of things to go in their favor. Yeah. I, I Rest up. Get these – wrap these kids in bubble wrap. Do whatever it takes to to get it because I, I – you, you, you got to get this team healthy. You just got to. So – um, we'll see. It, Alabama's it's a, it's a massive matchup. It's a, uh, a again you can't let one loss turn into two. That's kind of something that Coach Cal's uh, put you know stressed for a, a long time. You cannot build one stack one bad loss, not no. a bad loss, but you can't stack one loss on top of the other. And um, I think that they're going to kind of go back to Lexington. They're going to hit reset, uh, and they're going to get ready to host the Crimson Tide. And, and I think that they're going to be mentally prepared for it. I would personally sit. Ty Ty, let him rest, let him get back to where he needs to be, and and move on from there. Yeah, yeah, it, w- it wouldn't shock me if they if they can get this one. It wouldn't shock me if they go the rest of the way and win the next five. Would it shock me if they went on the road and lost at Arkansas? No, it wouldn't. But we're, they're playing for March. Just content, just get healthy. I think that's the biggest opponent right now. Just get healthy and get back to full strength. You want to be at full strength going into that final week of the regular season play good basketball going into Tampa, play more good basketball in Tampa, and then get into the NCAA tournament and just stay healthy. Just stay healthy, and this team makes a run. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, uh, keep on keeping on, and we'll be back to uh, preview that Alabama game, talk the ins and outs of that, hope for – you know, they're going to be looking for re- revenge on their end as well after how last the, uh, the last matchup went. So uh, plenty to discuss there. It'll be uh, a lot of fun. Let's get out of here with one final message from our friends 
at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers, whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games. Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win. 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P I L G R I M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's a Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. You can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.